our text for today is Romans 15, verses 1 through 7. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in, for in former days was written for our instruction, that, though that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another in cr as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This section of Romans takes a decidedly different turn has a decidedly different tone than the beginning of Romans you know Romans 1 through 11 Paul is laying out the message of salvation first to the Jew and then to the Gentile starting in Romans 12 he turns his attention to the conduct of the church amongst itself and the entire theme of this section of Romans can be summed up in that first verse of Romans 15. That we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to, to please ourselves. That's about how do we as the church live in harmony with one another. It is intimately connected to the preceding verses where Paul is talking about, in four, in starting in verse 13 in chapter 14, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Paul spends much time culminating with this section of Romans about what it is to live at peace with one another. That ultimately, using the example of eating things that are considered unclean, 
ultimately the goal and the purpose of the church is to live in harmony with one another. In chapter 12, he talks about the conduct of the church through peace and perseverance in the face of adversity. When those, when those who are unbelievers persecute us, what it is to show peace and perseverance. Through what it is to show submission to the civil authority in Romans 13. And that, that in and of itself is a whole, a, a whole teaching in and of itself. Through loving one another. Through patience in the face of disagreement. And ultimately through edification of the weak. Because we must be a church that reflects the example of Christ. In the same way that God has patience with us in our weakness, so we must show patience with others in theirs. We must show the grace that's been given. That word that's translated as weakness is a word that talks about those who, those who show doubts, those who are uncertain, those who have scrupulous, uh, those who have particular moral scruples. Can you hear me? Is it coming out? Okay. Don't worry about it. Um, that different that people in the church are in different places in their faith. That some may have particular scruples about certain things for which Scripture is not clear on. In fourteen, Paul talks about, and through the through the middle and to the end of Romans, Paul is talking about the liberty that we have in Christ. That in the face of a brother or sister who is struggling or in the face of a brother or sister who, who is weak, that we must restrain our liberty that we have in Christ so as not to please ourselves. Paul talks about that he's assured that that everything is clean to eat. But some brothers and sisters may not be so convinced. They may believe that they still must abide by the law on what is clean and what is unclean. That while we have that liberty in Christ, we, that we've been freed from the law which ultimately brings death, we have an obligation to our brother and sister to forego our liberty to build up those who are struggling. Now, a caution. This doesn't mean that we become a slave of someone's conscience. In the Gospels, there were many times where Jesus was faced with the Pharisees who would frequently demand that, that Christ and his disciples conform to the exacting standards of the law. One frequent point of contention was over the behavior on the Sabbath. 
Jesus would frequently heal those on the Sabbath. And we're reminded by Christ in Mark chapter 2 that man was not made for the Sabbath, that Sabbath was made for, the, was made for man. That it is wrong to see good that needs to be done and to not do it. Because ultimately that's the law of love that Christ is talking about and that Paul builds on, that we have an obligation to use the liberty that we have in being freed from the law, which ultimately brings death. As Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8, the law which cannot save. To use the grace that we've been given to share the love of Christ with others. But when we're faced with the stability of a weaker Christian, we must restrain our liberty. We must restrain that liberty that we have in Christ out of love for our brother. But it's not just to leave them there in their weakness and in their doubts, but ultimately we're to use our liberty to build them up, to teach them, to edify, to strengthen them, so that in Christ, we as the church cannot, can't be divided but are one. We who are strong have an obligation to those who are weak. In fifth, moving on in chapter 2, he talks about that le let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. The word the word that's translated to please there is not a word that simply means to make happy. But it's to please through willing service to our brother. To accommodate ourselves to the opinions and the thoughts and the beliefs of our weaker brother and sister who may be struggling so that we don't draw reproach through our liberty. We don't cause them to stumble, but we come alongside our brother or sister in their struggling to build them up to show them the liberty that we have in Christ not to flaunt our liberty and that we have in Christ in their face but to restrain it for the sake of teaching we're to do it so that, they, so that our brother and sister might realize the truth that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5, that it, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not be subject again to the, the yoke of slavery. The yoke of slavery that Paul frequently refers to is the yoke of slavery to the law. That he then talks about in chapter 8, 3, the law which was imperfect to save. The law brings upon us condemnation. The law does not save. It only shows our imperfection before a holy and righteous God. It's the blood of Christ. Faith, faith through grace. Or grace through, <laughs> grace through faith. That we might realize the freedom. That it is for freedom Christ set us free. We have the ultimate example of Christ to follow. He who is willing to suffer scorn and reproach from the ruling class. Christ who is willing to associate with people that the law said were unclean. 
that the law, that the Pharisees of the day said were undesirable. But because of the freedom and the perfection that Christ brought with, we are to share that grace with those that the world reproaches. That's where we have great liberty, that no longer are we constrained in who we associate with because of the nature of the law, but we're free in Christ to associate with them to share the gospel, that through the gospel they might come to salvation and know the same freedom that we have. He forsook any claim of right or privilege that he had for the sake of the weak and the lowly. We, and we have many examples of this throughout the gospel of Christ forsaking any right that he had to be held up on high and esteemed through the washing of his disciples' feet in John chapter 13. Paul talks about becoming a bondservant unto the point of death. In Mark, he talks about serving as a ransom. And in Luke chapter 22, when there was a, when there was a disagreement among the disciples about who's the, who will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And Christ says, with the servant is the ruler of all. in the face of great adversity, in the face of persecution, we are still commanded to show a servant's heart and humility toward those in the church, toward those who are weaker, through, to those who are struggling, that even in the face of adversity, we might build them up. And we have this great consolation and encouragement that Paul talks about in verse 4. That for whatever is written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The scripture encourages us through both its records of things past and its revelations of things to come. We have the great encouragement that, that our, the God that we serve is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have, the great, we have the great record throughout all of the scripture that the promises that God has made from the beginning of time see their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. But we also have the encouragement as the great hymn that we sang today, Faith, that the battle is not done. And we can take great encouragement in the great hope that we have of things to come. Because the things that were once to come that have now passed came, came to be. The great Baptist preacher, Alexander McLaren, once had written this about this particular section in Romans. That consolation is precious, but we need more for well-being than only to be comforted. And surely the whole tone of Scripture in its dealing with the great mystery of pain and sorrow 
has a loftier scope than even to minister assuagement to, the, to grief and to stay our weeping. It seeks to make us strong and brave to face and master our sorrows and to infuse us a high-hearted courage which shall not merely be able to accept biting blasts but shall feel that they bring a glow to the cheek and oxygen to the blood while wrestling with them builds up our strength and trains us for higher service. It would be a poor aim to comfort only, but to encourage, to make strong in heart, resolved in will, and incapable of being overborne or crushed in spirit by any sorrows. That is a purpose worthy of the book and of the God who speaks through it. It would be poor solace simply for comfort in our adversity. But the scripture also brings encouragement. It strengthens, it strengthens our souls and our wills. That ultimately we can face the struggles and the adversity that the world brings us from the outside so that we can approach it with the gospel. The only thing that can bring relief to a painful world. We take encouragement that whatever God ordained to be written in the Old Testament wasn't just only for that time, but was also written for the future. And this hope is not general, but specific to the coming glory discussed in Romans chapter 8. That we might be adopted as sons, the resurrection of our bodies. That we might ultimately have that perfect communion with the Father. And Paul speaks of this in Romans 13 as well, when he's talking about, now we see in a mirror dimly, through the adversities and through the pains and through the sorrows that this world brings, we see the coming glory that we have. We see it in a mirror dimly, but then we will see it face to face. For now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. That we have a coming hope, that while we may see it dimly now, and it is the hope brought by faith in the coming of Christ, we will see it, we will see it perfectly then. And that ultimately the purpose of this endurance and this encouragement from Scripture Paul spells out in verses 5 and 6 that may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in, accordance, in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ultimately, the purpose of us living in harmony with each other is for the glory of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Harmony simply isn't blind agreement with each other. Harmony simply isn't putting up with something. Harmony simply isn't tolerance. Certainly not tolerance as we hear the world define tolerance. But that word that's translated as harmony means that we are of the same mind that we are of the same mind in Christ Jesus. 
that we are seeking after the same thing, that we have the same goal, that we are in harmony with one another because our, our same shared goal is the glory of God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, that we might bring him glory through praise, that we might bring him glory through sharing of the gospel, that we might bring him glory through the conduct that we have amongst ourselves in building up the weak, in the strong showing humility and setting aside their liberty. This liberty that we have in Christ, there are there's four principles that come with that liberty. Paul talks about in verse 22 that this liberty that we have must not be flaunted. He says, the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. This liberty that we have is not to be flaunted in, in our weaker brother and sister's face of, look how strong I am, what's wrong with you? but we are to humble ourselves. And sometimes humbling ourselves means that we put aside the liberty that we have, the freedom that we realize in Christ Jesus. This, Christian, this liberty that we have in Christ also means that it does not mean that we only accept someone after we've sussed out his or her views on X or Y. Because as it says at the beginning of 14, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. We do not have to have agreement with our brothers and sisters in order to accept them as our brothers and sisters. We do not have to be at the same, our brothers and sisters do not have to be at the same level of faith as we do in order for us to accept them. We are called to accept them because God has welcomed them. Our Christian liberty must not be used as a way so as to become a stumbling block to others. In verse 13, Paul writes, Therefore let us not pass judgment on one another, but decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. That in the face, in the face of a weaker brother or sister, we are to humble ourselves and to bring ourselves alongside of them in our weakness. Not flaunting, our, not flaunting our strength of faith as, oh, look what I can do. That might cause them to question or may cause them to look on us with disdain. But we're to bring ourselves alongside of them for edification, for building them up that we might be of one mind. And Christian liberty requires that we don't use our liberty to please ourselves. In verse 15, one, 
Paul writes, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. The liberty that we have in Christ is not to be taken as justification for libertine behavior that we may do whatever we want, whatever pleases us. But we are to use our liberty for the building up, for the sharing of the gospel. And sometimes using that liberty that we have in Christ means setting aside our liberty for the building up. that we who are strong have an obligation to bear with, to bear with the fall, failings of the weak. Ultimately, to bring glory to God. And we pray that we would have this unanimity that comes with the singleness of aim. And that can only come from God through his son, Jesus Christ. The author and perfecter of our faith, as the writers of Hebrews tells us. That being of the same mind can only come through the consolation and encouragement of God's revealed word. The consolation of our sorrows. And the encouragement of things past, but also of things to come. This stands in stark contrast to a heart that is not in peace. At the beginning of Romans, Paul describes the heart that is not at peace. Paul writes, They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Paul is very clear of the description of the one whose heart is not at peace, who has not received faith through the gospel of Christ. that harmony can only be achieved by following the example of Christ. So that we may unanimously with one voice, in unity of spirit and unity of goal, glorify God the Father. And it's that praise and glory of the Father that's the ultimate aim of all the gifts that he's bestowed on his children. How then should we live? We're to welcome each other. Despite one another's weaknesses and scruples into fellowship. That we might build up our brothers and sisters. That we might edify them in our Lord. And we do that through following the servant example of Christ. That it's only through being a servant can we build up the weaker brother among us. As I was preparing the sermon for today, I was reminded reminded of a quote by 
a missionary that's over the chapel of the, the chapel at my alma mater. It's E. Stanley Jones. And he and it's on his it's on his gravestone. He says, Here we enter a fellowship. Sometimes we will agree to differ. Always we will resolve to love and unite to serve. We will differ. There will be those among us that have different opinions, who may have different scruples. Sometimes we will agree to differ. But always we will resolve to love and we will unite to serve. Father, I pray that 